Well, it's a little cloudy today, but have you enjoyed the beautiful summer weather? Wow. I know I have. Um, You know, I'm just going to share it. Where are you standing? (laughs) I'm just going to share it. It is inappropriate, but if you're offended, you don't want to come back. That's fine. Um, So... You know, my office is at, um, is at my house, and I decided, well, it's really nice out, so I'm going to do it out on the deck. And I was like, well, no one's looking, and no one's watching, so I'll take my shirt off. And so I took my shirt off, and I'm, I have the computer on my lap, and I'm out there for like two hours, you know, just getting all this stuff done. I'm like, well, that was really fun. <laughs> a couple, couple hours later, I, I go in, you know, ready to take a shower, and I take my shirt off again. And I have these zebra stripes, or like lion stripes, and I'm like, what is that from? Like, that's weird. Why would it, you know, do that? So just to see what was going on, I went back out with my shirt off and sat down in the chair. And it was the perfect place for my folds and my fat covered my skin. So I've not shown Mary that yet. Um, it's a little embarrassing, but I just told the church. So um, there we go. Woo. But, you know, it's been a really good summer here at LifeSpring. It really ha- it's been amazing um, to see what God is doing in the, the lives of his people. It's been a joy for me. Uh, it's been exciting to come every Sunday morning and, and just see God's supernatural power on display. Uh, I've been reminded lately that the God that we serve is a mighty God. He's a mighty God whose thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He's just bigger than my imagination. Uh, when I took my personality assessment to become a pastor, my lowest uh, score was optimism. So I'm a pessimist. And, and but yet God is using, I, hopefully, this pessimist. To, he, he's doing amazing things and supernatural things through this church and through a senior pastor that is a pessimist at heart. And, and I love that that he's doing the impossible. He truly is. He's he's doing the impossible. Only that could happen through the supernatural. And like I talked about last week, I often find myself surprised. And I think if we're honest, often we're surprised by God. But we shouldn't be, right? I mean, if you read your Bibles, open up the Word of God, this is who He is. It's who He says He is. And He says, this is what I'm going to do. In fact, when we were in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this is what it says. Listen up. It says, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within the pessimists to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Would you say that? I I want you to think about you. I I just said it for me, but I want you to think about yourself when you read this verse. It says, now all glory, say it with me, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So it's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to God. I love that. I love that God accomplishes infinitely more than we could ever ask or ever think. But I want to remind all of us today that it's displayed, this mighty power, it's displayed through who? Through us, in us, within us, within you and within me. Some of you just don't feel that way. I mean, you look at yourself and you see all your imperfections, you see your flaws, you see your blemishes. But he says, hey, you, I'm talking to you. I want my mighty power to be gloriously demonstrated through you. And I think that's what I enjoy the most. Instead, I see the power of God displayed through you, LifeSpring. I do, displayed in how you love one another and how you pray for one another and how you serve one another and how you give of your time and give of your money and how you think of others before yourself, how you seek his kingdom first instead of trying to build your own kingdom. I love that about this church. We're not trying to build our little thing and say, hey, look at what we're doing. No, we want the power of God to be on display outside these walls through our community. Amen. Amen. See, as a church, we've been walking through this letter, Paul's letter. It's a lot about the identity that we have in Christ. And I think you just need to read it again. You got to get this deep within your heart of who you are in Christ, the benefits of being in Christ. We took a break. We went through the series bowl, which was a whole lot of fun. I think I just love seeing you guys kind of step out and do some radical things for the Lord. But today we're, we're going to jump back into Ephesians. If you remember right at the beginning of this book, chapter one. He, he prays this prayer for the church. And speaking of bold, this, this is just an amazingly bold prayer for the body of Christ. And in so many ways, I would say this. I believe this prayer is being answered in the church today. Listen to what he prays for. He says, for this reason, 
Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, say all things, things. under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Did you catch that? He he prays that we'd be given the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we would know Jesus better. He prays that we might know the power of God that is for us, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that we would know that same power. He prays that we would remember this Jesus, this Jesus who is the head of the church and that the church, amazing as it sounds, it's true that the church is the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In so many ways, I see this prayer being answered. I've seen how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. How you long to walk being led by the Holy Spirit. How you've become bold in your obedience to the Holy Spirit's voice. I've seen your willingness to pray for the impossible. Some of you have been praying supernatural prayers, big prayers. Just asking God for things that could only be accomplished by a supernatural power. And I've witnessed a healthy, functioning body of Christ where each part plays its role. You know, when you read these letters of Paul, the body of Christ, it's important to him. Paul tells us that we, you and I, we are the body of Christ, with each one of us being an important member or part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. He's talking about you guys. And each one of you is a part of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has placed the part, so each of you, in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. All part of the body of Christ. Turn to your neighbor say, I am a part of the body of Christ. All right, you got one on the other side probably. Say it again. I am a part of the body of Christ. All right, there you go. That's it. This is community. We would, we'd call it community, right? It's a God-ordained, God-orchestrated community. And so at LifeSpring, we value community, don't we? I mean, we value the times where we gather together and we take very seriously the role that we have as the church, as the body of Christ. Now, with all that being said, I, I would also say this. Being a part of a community that actually has more people in it than just myself, it's kind of hard, right? <laughs> it's not always easy. Sooner or later, living in community with other people is just going to produce some friction. For example, if I hang out with you long enough... And I love you. I kissed you up on stage. But if I hang out, if I hang out with you long enough, what's going to happen? I, you're probably going to hurt my feelings. You're going to say something, and I'm probably going to cry. But the, the reality is, I'm probably going to hurt your feelings as well, right? Or think about it, just for a second. Think about that man or the woman that just rubs you the wrong way, right? I mean, if we're honest, you're probably not sitting next to them right now, right? You, you're avoiding them. They stretch your patience. They get on your nerves. And don't forget, oh man, this person gets me. You know that person that's just so disgustingly perfect and successful at everything that they do, they make the rest of us feel completely inadequate. So it's not always easy. Some of you are just elbowing your spouse, but whatever. So it's not always easy being a part of the family of God. And some of you are brand new to this community, like Jason was saying, 14 salvations in the last four weeks. 14 of you who've repented of your sins, accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're one of those 14 here today, I want to tell you this. This whole church thing, it can be difficult. In fact, sometimes you're just going to want to bail. You're going to want to give up on the whole thing. Because we've got some messy people here. We do, including myself. You see, we're saved from our sins, not because of anything that we've done, not because of our talents, our looks, our charming personality. We're not saved because of our good moral conduct or because we're little goody two-shoes that do follow all the rules. No, 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 no. Every one of us is saved, not by works, but by the grace of God. So 
we're all in process. We are. And we're all in process becoming more and more like Jesus. But we're all in constant need of the grace of God. We're messy. We're messy. And if you've never been a part of a church community before, you might be surprised at how messy we really are. I can almost guarantee you, in fact, as you engage in this community, and I'm talking about LifeSpring, people will say or do things that will bug you or annoy you. They might even hurt or offend you. And with that in mind, there's a little bit of wisdom. As you grow in your faith, as you learn how to live in this godly community, learn how to say you're sorry. Because you're going to screw up sometimes. You're going to make a mess of everything every once in a while. Learn how to say you're sorry and also learn how to ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness and forgiving others. It's one of the trademarks of a healthy church. Without forgiving one another, we will not survive. We will crumble. In fact, Jesus gives us some instructions on this in Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter, Peter, he was one of the 12 disciples. Then Peter, he came to Jesus, asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Oh, he's feeling pretty good about that. You know, he's like, not two or three times, like seven times. Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times, seven times. To engage in godly community, you've got to be quick to forgive your brother and sister in Christ. When you are offended by another believer, an offense will happen. Guess what? Satan, he wants you to grab a hold of that offense. He does. He wants you to grab it and not let go of it. And what happens when you grab that offense? It will grow within you bitterness. It will grow within you anger and jealousy towards that person. But when you forgive him, Satan loses his power. Did you know that? When you forgive him, Satan loses his power. So forgiveness is so important. And then more than anything, you might want to write this down. You've got to learn how to love. And the love that we show in a godly community comes from who? Absolutely, Jesus. It's the love of God. So you have to allow the love of God to permeate everything you say and do in the context of community. Be filled with the love of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of, of, of all that God has done for you, right? Just allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and, and the kindness and the love that God has shown to you. And because of, that, because of God's love for you, you love your brother. You love your sister with that same kind of love. Now, living in community, it requires a flat-out determination, flat-out determination to forgive one another and love one another. Now, Jason Dre, he is absolutely one of my best buds. We've been friends for a long time. But it has taken some serious endurance, some long-suffering, some forgiveness, and some love on both of our parts for us to be where we are today. I want to invite Jason up to talk a little bit about community, ups and downs we've experienced together. Would you welcome him? Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, first of all, do you still love me for beating you at pickleball yesterday? I just, and I think I won the 100-yard dash. Okay, okay, just, just checking. That was brutal, wasn't it, the 100-yard dash? I'm hurting today. Anyway, uh, yeah, we ran 100 yards. Whew. Um, anyway, uh, Dan and I, um, I moved up here in 1993, and I met Dan playing football uh, at Olympic Junior High. We had tryouts. Um, it was one of the only three things I've ever beat him at. We both tried out for quarterback. He ended up as a receiver. I ended up as a quarterback. Um, I've beat him in bocce ball, and I beat him in golf. That's it. So the story is, is, is our friendship, especially during um, junior high and high school, was very superficial. It was all about sports. Um, he would invite me to church, but nah, I don't have time for that. Um, and so uh, ain't nobody got time for that. No. And so... So our friendship was very superficial, but the story that sticks out to me is we're playing basketball, and I think we were going to 21. I was up like 19 to 10 or something like that. He has this miraculous comeback. I think I'm finally going to beat him, and he beats me. And I'm so frustrated that I was the kid that grabbed my basketball, I got in my car, and I went home. I was done. I was done. I left him. I left him at the park. I was like, all right, dude, I'm done. I just, I don't even think I said that. I just think I walked off. And what's interesting is, is Dan still wanted to hang out with me after that. And Dan's like, hey, you want to, you know, later on down the road, hey, you want to go to Wyoming together? Okay, I'll go to Wyoming with you. So then we went to school together. Well, about, I'd say the first two weeks I was there, I accepted Christ. 
And then I went back to doing everything else. He's like, Jason, why don't you come to church with me? Nope. Why don't we go do this? Why don't we go to a small group? Nope. And yet he continued to love me and continued to love me and continued to love me. Then we moved into a house together with Benj and, and Nick. And I was doing a lot of stupid things then. And I think before he graduated, we didn't speak for probably a year. Um, I call him every once in a while if I was struggling with something and I had a question about God. Because he was my God guy, right? You know, he's, he's, okay, who's my God guy? I just scroll through my phone. All right, I'll call Dan. Yeah, he continued to love me, continued to pray for me, continued to never give up on me. And then I came, finally came to church, really just to support Dan. That's how I came to LifeSpring. He's like, hey, I'm preaching. Come up, show up. And now we're serving together. And so, you know, our friendship has is at a level that I just, I can't even describe. I mean, I, I, I wish that people could experience the friendship that Dan and I have. And it's not by anything that we're doing because I've hurt him. He's hurt me. You know, he's made me feel really uncomfortable. I've made him feel really uncomfortable. Um, you know, we're accountability partners. I mean, if you have a true accountability partner, some of the conversations you have are not comfortable conversations. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that can only come from God. That's only one place it can come from. So, um, you know, I just, I love serving with him. He's, he's one of my best friends. Um, and maybe someday I'll get to beat him in basketball. So, love Probably you, man. <laughs> love you. Thanks, Amen. Praise the Lord. I love you, Jay. So not everyone's willing to pay that price, Right. How many times have you heard from a friend or a family member that they used to go to church, right? They, they used to go to church. They used to be a part of a community. But then they quickly go on to complain about something, right? Either they complain about what the senior pastor did or they complain about the children workers or the, the greeters weren't friendly enough. The music was too loud. They didn't serve Starbucks. Whatever it is, right? Just complaining about everybody else. Now, Satan... He'll always give you a reason why you shouldn't be in community with other believers. Of course he will, because he hates it when we come together, when we work together. He knows the impact that we could have in the communities of Fife, Milton, and Edgewood for Jesus when we work together. So he gives us these excuses for jumping ship. And we all know people who have bailed, as an active, bailed from being an active member of the body of Christ because of this or because of that. And here's the deal. When you're willing to stick it out, and when you're willing to persevere, amazing things will happen. Lost people will be saved. Sick people will be healed. Addicted people will be set free. Confused people will find purpose. Damaged relationships will be restored. Lonely people will find a family. Will find a family. Don't quit. Don't bail. Stick it out. Stick it out. We can accomplish so much more together than we could ever do on our own. Amen? Amen. I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning talking about what happens in us as Christians when we become a functioning part of the family, a member of the body of Christ. But before I do, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you mean to us. I thank you that you did this. This is your idea, the body of Christ. And I thank you that each one of us, Lord, who has accepted your son, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, that we are a part of this family. We are a part of this household. We are a part of the body of Christ. Show us what that means this morning. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. So as a member of the body of Christ, if you have notes, number one, I have a new identity. Does anyone need notes? If you need notes, raise your hand or a pencil or anything like that. Just raise them up high. It's okay. I never have notes when I'm sitting. We got a couple. We got one up front too. Cool. Anybody else? We're good. As a member of the body of Christ, I have a new identity. When you are born again, when you become a new creation, which happens when you accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit automatically joins you to a spiritual family, a spiritual community. You're now a part of something bigger 
than yourself. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. When you become a Christian, you become a part of the body. You become a part of one body. Could everybody say one body? body. When you become a Christian, you don't get to choose whether or not you want to be a part of the body. It's not an optional box that you check, like when you renew your license tabs and whether you want to donate to the state parks or not. It's, it's not, do you do that? I do that. I love my state parks. No, anyone, the discovery pass, right? Absolutely. Well, anyways, so you are a part, it's $30, but you're a, <laughs> you're a part of the body. You're a part of the body. There's no Lone Rangers in the kingdom of God, by the way. Right? Lone Ranger, even he had Tonto. I mean, everybody needs everybody else. We're all interconnected. That's just the way it is. You're now a part of the body of Christ. One body. We just read a couple of months ago in Ephesians 2 that when you became a Christian, you were without hope and without God, which is pretty serious. Before you know Christ, you are without hope, without God. But Ephesians 2.13 states, But now in Christ, you who once were far away, without hope, without God, were brought near by the blood of Christ. It goes on to say, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, like we sang this morning. In him, the whole building is joined together. It rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are a part of the household. You've got keys to the house. You've been invited to the party and you and you and you and you all of us are joined together become this holy temple in the lord where the spirit of god dwells that is amazing to me we are a part of this building we are a part of this family a part of the body so you have a new identity you're a new creation identified with the body of christ and number two as a member of the body of christ i am being transformed I am being transformed. Maybe depending on your family history, your upbringing, how you're raised, maybe you just lack the relational skills to get along with others. It's just kind of been difficult. Or or maybe you have a history where relationships, I mean, they've just always exploded. You can't, you convince yourself, I just can't do relationships, right? This whole relationship thing, I just can't do it. So you say, you come up with an idea. Well, well, instead of that, I'm just going to love Jesus on my own, right? I'm just going to love Jesus by myself. We need to stop limiting God. You don't think you can change. But see, you're not giving the Holy Spirit enough credit in your life. As you yield to the Holy Spirit's work in your life, did you know that He can do a miracle in you? He can break through those generational sins. He can break through those addictions. He can teach an old dog new tricks. He can teach you how to live in community with other believers, regardless of your past, regardless of your upbringing. The Holy Spirit, He's our teacher, right? He's our helper. He's our counselor. I love what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what that means? It means God doesn't let you stay the same. (laughs) You're being transformed. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, even now. Right now, early. Right now, Bill. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And as he molds you and as he shapes you, he'll give you what you need. For those of you who have struggled in social settings, do you know that the Lord can give you new and deeper social skills? For those of you who have given up on relationships, he can guide you into opportunities to learn how to be interdependent instead of always independent. For those of us who are just completely consumed by our own issues, our own needs, our own problems, me, 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 the Holy Spirit can work on our hearts. He can change our hearts where we become others-centered and others-focused instead of always being consumed by our own issues. And as we learn to be a part of this body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to give us a love for the family of God. I love it. See, where we want... We just judged the church, right? Before we just came in and we judged them, we pointed out all the things that the church was doing wrong, and we called them a bunch of hypocrites, right? Boy, the church is a bunch of hypocrites, and we called them liars, a bunch of liars. But now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we come alongside the church. In fact, we are the church, and we weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. He gives us an understanding 
that you are my brother and you are my sister and we are a part of a worldwide family of God. And then as a member of the body of Christ, number three, I am living out my calling. I'm living out my calling. Our calling is found in the context of community. Look at what Ephesians 4 says again. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. To know there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul says, do you want to know how to live a life worthy of the calling you have received? Well, your calling is found in the context of how you treat others. Do you see that? He says, hey, you, called one of God, be humble. Hey, you, called one of God, be gentle, be patient. Hey, you, called one of God, you do everything you can to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He goes straight to the point. If we're going to persevere, the, if, we have, if we're going to persevere the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, if we're going to be one body, we've got to make some decisions right off the bat on how we're going to treat one another. So in your notes, number one, be humble. Be humble. Humility, it says that I am, and, and this actually comes from Steve Shell over at uh, Northwest Church. Uh, humility says that I am only one member among many. Listen to what Romans 12, 3 through 6 says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So get off, get off your high horse. Right? All the time. Dan, humble yourself. Man, I spend one day without the Bible and pride begins to rise up within me. I am a prideful person. I have to surrender every day to the Lord. Some of you don't think I'm a prideful person. You go, Dan, you don't struggle with pride. Well, I know what's inside. I know what's deep down inside. And so I'm on my knees. Lord, forgive me. Lord, humble me. Lord, it's you. God, I surrender. Your will be done, not my will. Your plans, not my plans. Get off your high horse. You're not the be-all and end-all. Be humble. Each of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. We all have different gifts. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Every member of the body is important. And we're all connected to each other. Don't get all prideful and arrogant about your role in the body. You are one member among many. Be thankful for the part you play. Be thankful. Be happy. Be joyful. Do it to the best of your abilities. But everything you say and everything you do, it's got to be covered in humility. Number two, be gentle. Be gentle. Put aside your own self-interest. Get, get rid of that whole my way attitude. My way at all costs. You know that's never going to work. In a church. It's never going to work in the body of Christ. You want to destroy the church? Act without gentleness. Without gentleness, you're like a bull in a china shop. You're going to make a mess of everything you touch. You must treat people with respect. You got to keep your hearts free from malice. You got to keep them free from that, just that desire to take revenge. You got to be gentle, completely gentle. Number three, be patient. Patience. Long suffering. 1 Corinthians 13, it's often recited at weddings. It's a beautiful description of love. Do you guys remember what the first one on the list was? Right? Love is, love is patient. Sometimes we're so impatient with each other. Aren't we? I mean, just quick to snap at each other. I'm willing to hear each other out. And here's the deal. Members of the body of Christ will frustrate you. <laughs> they will bug you. Maybe they're just socially awkward. Maybe they're tightly wound and they blow everything out of proportion. Maybe they're just late to everything and you like to be on time, but they're late to everything. Or, or maybe they're disorganized or maybe they're rude. You name it. But love is patient. Love is patient. In fact, the scripture says, be patient with someone until the provocation is passed. Bear with one another 
in love. Bear with them. You know what I'm talking about. The person who is so difficult. Bear with them. The devil is tempting you to unleash on them. To verbally attack them. Or maybe just abandon them by avoiding them at all costs. But church, we've got to recognize that the devil viciously attacks our unity. He hates our unity. And one of the most clever schemes he uses is to encourage us to lose our patience. He wins the minute we say, I've lost it. Right? I've lost it. I have no more patience. I am out of patience. Well, if love is patient, you are in a world of hurt. Because patience comes... Because if you're out of patience, you're out of love, right? And what's one of the descriptions of God? It's God is love. So without love... Without God, I mean, you see where I'm going? Like, I, I mean, I don't think it's a perfect logical thing, but if, you know, love is patient and you're without patience, well, that means you're without God. And if God is love, that means you're without God. So whatever you think you're doing when you run out of patience is probably not of God. Some of you need to hear that. You're so quick to say I've run out of patience. But I have a feeling you might not be in alignment with God. God's love, God is patient. So be aware of how the devil uses our lack of patience against us. Don't let him outwit us. Be aware of his scheme. That's what 2 Corinthians 2 talks about. You make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. So again, to recap, as a member of the body of Christ, I have a new identity. I'm being transformed, and I'm living out my calling. So let's jump back into Ephesians 4, read the rest of the passage today. Follow along on the screen. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, their prophets, the evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. That's what we're doing here at LifeSpring. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, unity, one body, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Say mature. Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we're no longer going to be infants, no longer in diapers, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, life spring, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and And it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That fires me up, church. As each part does its work. That gets me so excited. That is so exciting to me. I see that at LifeSpring. I see it's growing in the Lord. No longer infants tossed back and forth, blown here and there by different doctrines or false teachings or the deceitfulness of man. No, we are growing into the mature body of Christ, being built up in love where each part, you and I, were doing what we were designed to do, functioning in a healthy way. And I love that we are maturing in the Lord. But some of you might say, you know, Pastor Dan, I'm just not there yet. Right? I'm just not there yet. I want to be a part of this mature body of Christ. But I feel like that infant. Right? I just feel like that infant being tossed back and forth around this world, being tossed around in this culture. One day I'm on the top of the world, right? Believing God's alive, Jesus is alive. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Next day, depressed, discouraged, sinking in my sin, ready to give up on the whole thing. I know some of you feel that way today. And, and if that's you, I just want to finish by saying this. God's not done with you. He's not done with you. This Christian life, it's found in the process. I really believe that. It's a daily walk with the Lord. Day by day by day. Day by day, you are being conformed to the image of Christ. He's not done with you. This isn't, yet, this isn't it. The best is yet to come. God loves you too much to allow you to stay the same. I, I love that about God. He will grow you into spiritual maturity. It's a promise from his word. Listen to what a Philippians 1 6 says. Being confident of this, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Be confident in this. God began a good work in you. You know he has, but he's not going to abandon you now. God's faithful. And it's, he's going to see it to completion 
That's one of the best things that happened when Mary and I went to counseling. He said, relax, Dan. God loves your wife. He started a good work in her. He's going to be faithful to complete it. Right? We stress out so much about other people. Relax. God loves. We, we, you know, the person becomes a Christian. We're like, well, we've got to do this for them. We've got to do this for them. We've got to do this for them. We, well, what if they we'll go to the tavern? What if they drink alcohol? Or what if they have sex with someone? Blah! God loves that person much more than you ever would. And he's going to be faithful to finish that good work that he started in them. And I would just say that, especially, you know, if you're kind of trying to figure this whole thing out and you feel like that infant, I would just encourage you, take these next steps. Dive into what the Holy Spirit has for you. Learn to hear his voice and to obey his voice. Dive into the word of God. Obey Jesus' teachings. If Jesus says something, try to obey it. And it's going to happen. This maturity is going to happen as you actively engage in the body of Christ. You need the body of Christ. You need community of believers. And by the way, God has placed this community of believers into your life. Even if you, you just come in and you're just annoyed by everyone, you've got to get over that. God has placed you in this community of believers. And I want to close by saying this. It's a list of expectations. Whether you're a new believer or someone who's, you know, that spiritually immature person living the spiritually immature life. Or maybe you're already here, a know-it-all. I'd maybe call you a Pharisee. But regardless, you, you can expect these things to happen to you as you mature in the body of Christ. Number one, in your notes, expect refinement. Expect refinement. When God joins you into his family, he gives you the opportunity to grow up, like I just said. When, when you're in community, you get to grow up in your attitude. You get to grow up in your relational skills. You get to grow up in how you love God and love others. And let's be honest, we all have some growing up to do. And quite often, this growing up happens in the context of community. Being a part of the family of God gives others the opportunity to speak into our lives. You know, when I was little, when I was younger, I pouted a lot. I, I just throw a fit. And I'm not talking about when I was a baby. Um, I'm talking about like when I was 20, uh, 21, 22. I just pouted a lot. I was very defensive. Uh, just, ah. <laughs> I remember one time I was playing keyboards for one of the worship leaders in uh, Wyoming. And during rehearsal, he asked if I could play a little bit quieter. You know, Dan, can you just play quieter? Well, being the uh, volatile, moody, defensive artist that I was, I kind of just tinkled the keys. You know, just played him as quiet as I could the rest of the rehearsal, because I knew if I played quietly enough, he would have to ask me to what? To play louder. Oh, can't, oh I'd, I'd be so annoyed at myself right now. But I mean, just so immature. But since I was in community with this worship leader, he set up a meeting with me. He sat me down. He discussed how my attitude, it was just inappropriate and how my attitude was affecting the other members on the team. That was tough, right? You know, I, was like, just, I wanted to leave. I wanted to get up. I wanted to yell at him. But after a while, I realized he was right. And eventually I received what he was trying to say to me. And, that, and, and God truly used that man to help refine me. In the 15 years of doing ministry, I've seen so many gifted people held back because of their poor relational skills or just having a bad attitude. And I've seen it again and again where someone very gifted and talented in a certain area won't let me or won't let others speak into their life. So they don't grow and they remain spiritually and emotionally immature. If you want to mature in the body of Christ, you must be ready to engage in the refinement process. And this whole refining process, it all flows from the fact that our Father in Heaven is very concerned about our character. In fact, He begins to refine our character the moment we become born again. The Bible tells us, like I said, we're conformed to the image of His Son. The Bible tells us that the Father disciplines those that He loves. And again and again in my life, He's used a godly community to refine me, to become more like His Son. So number two, expect revelation. Oh, yeah. And John 17, verses 22, 23. This is Jesus praying to his father. He's praying for us. Listen to what he says. He prays, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Again, unity, body of Christ, one body. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. At first, that verse says that Christ is in us. Right? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is in us, and the world will see that Christ is in us. In fact, the world will see Christ in us. Right? Just begin to expect that Jesus will reveal himself to the world through us. Expect that life spring. Expect that he will reveal himself through us, through this community, through life spring to the world. Number three, expect ministry. Uh, the full dimension of Jesus' ministry. It cannot be expressed through one person. It takes the body of members. 
each part working in harmony with the others. That means you got a job to do. you got a job to do. One of the best ways to stay spiritually immature is just sit on the sidelines. Be an observer. Be a consumer. As if you're just coming and watching a good show. You know, you pay your tithe. It's like an admission ticket. It's not an admission ticket. <laughs> you are a part of the body of Christ. It's not up to the pastor to do church. Come on now. It's not up to the senior pastor to do everything. I have a role. Part of my role is this, what we do on Sunday mornings. But this isn't church. Come on. I mean, it's a part of church. But this isn't what we are and who we, what we do and everything. Come on. We are the church. You are the church. We are a 24-hour, seven days a week, Monday through Sunday church. And it doesn't happen in these walls, it happens outside these walls. When you're praying for Ray at three in the morning, some of you signed up for like three in the morning to pray for Ray. When you're praying at three in the morning, you're the church. When you meet in your life groups or your men's ministry or your women's ministry or any other type of fellowship, you're the church. When you help out your neighbor, when you give money to the poor, when you visit the prisoner, when you take care of the widow, you're the church. Often the spiritually immature will just wait for the church to do something for them. Right? What has the church done for me lately? Just consumers their whole life. What can the church do for me? The, the person who is growing in their spiritual maturity, they'll realize that they, already, they are the church. Right? And they would be eager to share the good news with somebody else. Instead of saying, what can the church do for me? You'll say, what can I do for God? Amen? Amen. Number four, expect support. When hard times come, God stretches the hearts of his family to take care of his people. Even though they might not be our blood relatives, we treat them as though they were. The body of Christ comes together. We're going to face hardships together, right? And, and that means that at Life Spring, I just see this happening, whether we're giving food or giving clothes or praying for one another or moving. Uh, three of our young men helped a lady move some furniture on Friday afternoon. So we face hardships together. We raise our families together. It's amazing how many aunts and uncles my little kids have in this church. I love it. And that's what happens in God's household. If you aren't allowing someone else to help you, then I would just say expect God to stretch you in this area. Some of us have a hard time with that, right? Uh, letting someone else help us. Well, if you're a part of the family, you've got to allow the church and allow the body of Christ to help you. Expect God to stretch you in this area. And then number five, expect sustenance. Every one of us, we must be completely and constantly nourished by the Lord. And nothing else. It's got to be the Lord. To stay strong and to grow in the calling that God has for us. Jesus is our sustenance. Nothing else satisfies. Do you believe that? I was just talking to one of you this week. And he was talking about all the desires and hopes and dreams he has for his life. I said, none of that's going to work. None of that. You need to be satisfied with Jesus. I could care less about anything that he was saying. And I know that sounds mean. But if you're not satisfied with Jesus, your life will be a mess. You will never be happy. You will never be satisfied. You will never find that fulfillment until you are satisfied with Jesus. Jesus is our sustenance. He offers us the living water of the Holy Spirit. In John 4, 14, Jesus declares, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He also says that he's the bread of life in John chapter 6. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the word of God. That's what it tells us. Yet some of you are trying to live without the word of God. Ah, <laughs> You're trying to live without feeding on the teachings of Jesus. And you're trying to live without the teachings of the Holy Spirit. And that's an exhausting way to live. I've tried to live that way. It's hard. You can do it for a little bit, maybe, but it's a hard way to go. But here's the good news for you. If you're a Christian in this room today, if you're currently not reading your Bible, the Holy Spirit will remind you to read your Bible. Have you ever felt the holy nudge of the Spirit to read the Bible? It's, normally it's like holy nudge after holy nudge after holy nudge after holy nudge. And when you're not reading your Bible, the Holy Spirit reminds you that you probably should be reading your Bible. Now, he doesn't remind you to beat you up. So you feel bad and terrible. So you just mope around. Oh, man, you know, not a good Christian. Not reading my Bible. Sure, I'm lame, you know, for not reading my Bible. Should read my Bible, but I'm not reading my Bible. Boy, I really should read my Bible. Man, it's been like a week, two weeks now. I haven't read my Bible. I really should read my Bible. It's been like a year. Oh, I should read my Bible. I wish I would read. No, he, he reminds you to read the Bible so that you read the Bible. 
I mean, really, stop moping around, feeling sorry for yourself, throwing that little pity party for not reading the Bible. Just pick it up and read. By the way, this is why life groups are so important, right? I, I do daily devotions, which means I read the Bible every day. But in a life group, there's just something powerful when we come together as believers and read the Word of God together. And if you're currently not in one, you've got to talk to Adam, figure out how to get into one. And I can promise you the Holy Spirit is probably going to be prompting you to join a life group, nudging you to join one. Talk to Pastor Adam. He'll help you out. Because God wants you to be fed by His Word. He loves you. The Holy Spirit wants to point you to Jesus. And the best way to point you to Jesus is through the Word of God. So He's going to nudge you to read the Bible. Expect sustenance. So this morning, God, I believe He is drawing us into this genuine living community. And some of you just do not like that. You're sitting here. You're like, this is not what I wanted to hear when I came to church. For some of you, it's just hard to hear. You want the Christian life to be a solo project, right? You want it to be played out on your own private island. For some of you, it's just because you've been so hurt by Christian community or people that call themselves Christians. So you've built up your excuses for staying away from the body. Maybe I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. You know, I've got enough problems of my own to worry about other than, you know, worrying about somebody else's. I'm too tired. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too whatever. We all have these excuses. But if you're a Christian here this morning, the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you alone. That's when I call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. He's going to haunt you. (laughs) Because God, he is faithful to complete the good work that he started in you. Do you believe that? He's not going to let you off the hook. He knows how important the body of Christ is. He knows how easily the devil can pick us off one by one by one when we live in isolation. And he knows the amazing and wonderful supernatural things that we can do for his kingdom when we're working together in community, each member playing its vital part, its important part. So today, regardless of where you've been, whether it's your first day of being a Christian or whether you've been one your whole life, can we just let it be settled in our life and settled in our heart that we are a member of the body of Christ? Do you have a specific part to play? Some of you don't believe that. Some of you just think you're junk. Some of you just cannot stand yourself. You don't even want to look at yourself in the mirror. But you have a specific part to play. We need you. You're important. Did you know that? There's value. We need you. Without you, the body looks funny. (laughs) We need your part. So open up your hearts today. Let's say yes to the family of God. Yes to the body of Christ. Yes, the living God's best for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, this is a tough one for some of us because we've tried community in the past and it just failed. Or we joined a cult or someone took advantage of us or abused us. And you, you know those wounds, Lord, that are within our hearts. But again, God, we come to you to say we put our trust in you. We put our trust in you. Who else would we turn to? Where, where else would our hope come from? But you. So we turn to you, Jesus, this morning. And for those of us that have just kind of stayed away from this whole community thing, um, we just settle in our hearts today that we're open to it again. Whatever that might look like. However you want to show yourself in our lives, we're open to it today. Some of you might just need to quietly in your heart just say, yes, God. Yes to your purposes, Lord. God, you know I've fought you on this. You know I've said no to you again and again and again. But you also know that the Holy Spirit has been nudging you again and again and again. So, God, some of us are scared. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are just flat out hurt. But I pray, Lord, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, just show us that this is the appropriate thing to do. To say yes to community. To say yes to being an active member of the body of Christ. Lord, there's so many times when we want to bail. Whether it's the phone call we got or the email that we got. Or or just that interaction with somebody where we're like, I'm done. I'm too busy for this. I have too much in my life going on for this garbage to happen. You know that's within our hearts, Lord. But I pray that you would teach us, Lord, to be quick to forgive. Quick to settle accounts, Lord. That we wouldn't... Hold on to that offense, but we let it go. That Satan, whatever power you thought you had in this place, is gone. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
If there's relationships in this house today, Lord, that are, that are just fractured, that are full of friction, I pray that you would show us what it means to speak the truth in love, to love one another and to forgive one another, to be honest and not to hide or to cower, but to stand strong, Lord, in you, Jesus, and to work things out with one another. Pray that over this church, Lord. I don't know how many are here today, 60 or 70 of us, but I pray over every one of us, God, that we would live a healthy life in the body of Christ. I know I care about each one here, Lord, but you care so much more about them. Right now, Lord, I pray that before we even go to our cars, before we go to our house, before we go to eat lunch, whatever it is, God, that right now you would begin to just do a good work in our hearts, Lord, a good work in our lives. Wherever the bitterness is, wherever the anger is, wherever the jealousy is, wherever the pride or arrogance is, Lord, break our hearts. Break us this morning, Lord. By your Holy Spirit, soften our hearts toward our brother and our sister in Christ. That we would come together, not to bicker and to quarrel and to fight and dissension, but we come together to do the supernatural, to do what you, God, have called us to do that is only possible as we come together in community. I pray for those things in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for this fall. I pray for this winter, Lord. As you bring in the harvest, Lord, I pray that we would be a part of it as a community. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. And then we're going to sing a song, but with all heads bowed, if you have never been a part of the family of God before and and you want to, and, and I set up all the negatives of why you'd never, ever want to be a part of the family of God, but in your heart, I could say a thousand words against it, you know that you're supposed to be a part of the family of God. You know that you're supposed to accept Jesus as your Savior and also your Lord. You know that you need that forgiveness of sins in your life. If that's you this morning with all heads bowed, would you just look up at me and, and let me know? Absolutely. Anybody else? We'll just hang out, just you and me. All right. Well, let's pray. Uh, I pray... If we could all just pray after me, that would be great. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you reign. (laughs) Thank you that you died and you rose again. I put my life into your hands. I put my faith into your hands. (laughs) I put my trust into your hands. I am a mess, (laughs) but I am a forgiven mess, (laughs) and you are making me more like your son each and every day. I celebrate you today. You are transforming my life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.